This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, 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 everyone, and welcome to another edition of One-on-One with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and I'm actually coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. I would say sunny Palm Springs, but it's like 47 degrees and raining. So, uh, yeah, but you know what? We survived a summer of like 120 degrees at times, so I am not complaining. I'm hoping everyone had a wonderful Christmas yesterday, and uh, happy Hanukkah to our Jewish Listeners out there, I know you're like in maybe the fourth or fifth day of Hanukkah. Um, We're so blessed to be happy and healthy and with our family and friends and everyone. So I'm so glad we're together tonight. Um, Please join us on social media. We're on all the sites. Uh, Twitter is uh, 101J Cole and Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S. Same on Instagram. Of course, Facebook is Jasper Cole. You can also go to jaspercole.com. There's a link to the show has all of our archived episodes and everything that you it's got way too much Jasper Cole basically but um anyway I'm two weeks out from my neck surgery uh I'm feeling great thank you so much again for all the the well wishes you guys are amazing between the 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 direct messages and tweets and all that stuff you really really lifted my spirits and so I feel very blessed and an honor to have your support. Um, I'm so excited. Oh, also, I want to say a big shout out to my producer, John Williams, who is back in Los Angeles after um, his mom passed away, as you know, and he's back home and, you know, dealing with that as, as many of us have lost a parent or both parents, we know that it's, it can be quite a uh, devastating process. You know, grief is a monster itself. So um, he thanks you also. And next Thursday, January 2nd, he will be back with us. We're doing our first uh, homeless episode of uh, 2020. Um, We're going to be doing a a show every month now on the crisis in Los Angeles. So, all right, listen, I'm so excited uh, for tonight's guest. She's a returning guest, but I believe, my God, it's been like four years maybe since we got to chat and last time we were in person in the studio um tonight she's uh calling in from wherever she is she can tell us that but she's an actress she's a producer she's also uh, a director and she's really stepped into the directing uh world right now and has got several exciting projects uh, that she's going to talk to us about, and her name is Michelle Tomlinson. And at this time, I'm going to bring her on. Hi, Michelle. Hello, hello. How are Welcome you? Welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> we, we have. We have to I give you proper that. applause, of course. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. I'm going to set my alarm clock to that sound. <laughs> it was a standing <laughs> ovation. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, sweetie. It is so wonderful to hear your voice. Thank you for having me back. Well, listen. Thanks. A shout out to Joe Williamson, extraordinaire, who 
who connected us originally. And um, I kind of think, I think that is when I met Joe for the first time. Um, I was trying to remember, he and I were talking about it. We're pretty sure that's when we first connected, but my goodness, in the four years since we've last seen each other, you've had so many wonderful things happen. Uh, not to mention the most exciting would be your daughter. Hello. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. Oh, she's amazing. Thank you. She's the she's, coolest girl I've ever met. She's what, three now? Yes. Yes. Three and a half. She'll be four in February. And it's, I don't know. Once you have a child, it's like time folds into itself and it just goes poof and it just, <laughs> it skyrockets. It's such a weird experience. It's wonderful, but time is, is definitely a, a different commodity now than it was before. Well, you know, I don't have kids, but of course all I've got nieces and nephews, but all my dear friends who've had kids, it's, it's, I know it's, it's not cliche, but it sounds cliche, but they say you, until you actually have a kid, you really can't say how much, you didn't know you had so much love to give until you have your own child. You know, um, that's true. That's really, really true. But I also remember before I had her hearing people say that made me Mm. kind of feel like, well, I don't know. You know, I love my mom a lot. I love my dad (laughs) a lot. Like, it always kind of made me feel a little strange to, to hear people say that to me as somebody who didn't have a child, you know, right. um, by her mid thirties and, and all of that. And so, you know, I was, I was a late bloomer with, with being, becoming a mom, which is cool. Uh, so it was always very weird to hear that. And so now that I have her, I go, Holy hell, like you really are capable of even more than you ever thought that you had before. But even as a non parent, you are still capable of so much. Right. You know, right. It's like what is what is the measurement of love? Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because in, in our business, um, you know, the, the the nasty word narcissism. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I always say <laughs> I mean, I always say, you know, we we have to be narcissistic because we are the product, you know, but it's yeah. always a matter of like taming that beast, you know, like who can keep it you know, in check, (laughs) who can keep it in check the best, but all my friends, all my actor friends who have kids, they say, you know, the best thing that it does is it takes the focus completely off of yourself. And so you, it, it frees you up at times. I have so many friends who say, you know, they got more work, jobs came to them because they weren't just obsessing on that one career. And so, um, it kind of frees you up to, to be open to all the other stuff that can happen because you're so busy raising a child. Absolutely. And when you, when you succumb to the, like, I don't know, succumb to, like peacefully surrender really to what your child needs and, mm. and you're actively involved in your child's life, there's very little room for, for riffraff, bric-a-brac. And right. the narcissism, uh, the scale of narcissism, because every every human on the planet really has a, a couple drops of narcissism at yeah. the very least. Yeah. And then you have the extremes, of course. And uh, and it, it's true. It really does kind of flip things around to where you go, oh, right. It's just something as simple as 
oh, my God, I don't get my nails done anymore. Well, <laughs> that's cool. I don't have time to go sit around and right. get my nails done the way I did before having a child. It's just little trade-offs like that that it's like, what the hell do I care about if my nails are chipped? I have a child. Like, she's amazing, and she's thriving and healthy. I'm cool with my chipped black nail polish. Like, I'm good. <laughs> The world will keep spinning because, you know, right. it doesn't really matter Well, your, prior- anymore, your so. priorities change, obviously, right? I mean, Completely. Your, your pri- yeah. yeah, and it kind of all comes into focus. Well, tell everyone um, – well, first of all, your website, michelletomlinson.net, right? It's where people can mm-hmm. – to look you up. And how about social media? Where can people – I was going to say stalk you, but that's not funny these days. So. <laughs> that's so 2009, Jasper. <laughs> right. I better stay in line here. Yes. <laughs> I know. Uh, Facebook, I think I'm Mighty McTee on Facebook and Twitter. As uh, Instagram, I think, is it's Michelle Tomlinson. And my social media, like, I probably should get with the, the branding expert that we have on one of our projects, Miss Carrie, because she is so great at reining people's brands in because my branding is so crazy on social media because it's <clears throat> single mom and filmmaker and actor and I just got new headshots. <laughs> Look at the hike I just went on. You know, like I'm this, I'm this crunchy, nature-loving, but I'll still poke you in the face with a spoon. I have to fighting spirit, then right. Buddha loving, child bearing, crazy person. Um, so it's it's a just, funny thing when you look at my hashtag, Instagram. It's, it's hashtag anything and everything. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> hashtag wild woman had a child. Here you go. <laughs> right with with chip nails. Now listen, it looks like we have yeah. a caller. We have a caller. Do you mind if we take this call just because I don't no. want them to. Oh, well, they dropped. Okay. okay. Well, they, God oh, bless. Well, we had, just back. so you know, we did have a caller. Please call back, caller. We'll get you right on the air. But I wanted, I didn't want to just jump right in without talking to Michelle first. So first of all, congrats <laughs> on, on everything. Tell everyone now, uh, one thing, and you may have been doing this when we met before, but I can see you've been heavily directing. Directing is something that you've stepped full force into in the last three or four years. Um, right. I, and, and I know you were always teaching acting uh, and mm-hmm. were, were an acting coach. Was directing sort of a, sort of a transition, a natural progression from the coaching? I think it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm still teaching and I'm still coaching, which is you know phenomenal to be able to right. to help people grow in their craft. And then directing, really, like with Rise of the Millennial, for example. I had a conversation with a girl I was in a play with. I was a guest artist in Las Cruces uh, performing Agamemnon. I got to be Clytemnestra, which was quite a ride. Like, she's a badass. Yeah. That's amazing. She puts up with nothing. Yeah. She was very cool. Uh, So it it was really an experience. And I had this incredible conversation with a castmate named Gina, who was a lot younger than I am. And she said something like she was only six when 9 11 hit. And it was like, Oh my God, all of a sudden, I don't know why it hadn't dawned on me sooner, but it went, Oh, wait a minute. There's an entire like generation of humans who absolutely don't have any uh, experience, living experience in our country prior to nine 11. 
mm-hmm. the millennial generation had, they have no concept of what that was before orange um, was it orange alerts at the airport and, right. and all of the things that happened post nine 11. And so that it hit me like, like lightning. And I went, Oh my God, I need to make this movie. I need to like create a documentary to talk to millennials and get their voices and build a project around that. And so uh, Kimberly Amato and I partnered in creating that project and we're in post-production for it. So that came from really the inspiration of this project has to be made. And I I understand the means of which to create it. So I'm just Mm -hmm. simply going to create it. Right. And the same thing happened, same thing happened with edge. You know, with the, the documentary Edge, I was on the phone with my dear friend, James Mountain, for whom I've known since childhood. Uh, I, was, I was really good friends with his sister. And he lives on San Alfonso, San Alfonso Pueblo over in New Mexico. And he was talking to me about language dying. Like, Jasper, have you ever heard of language dying? Uh, well, no. I mean, I was when I was reading about Edge, which, by the way, everyone, this is a another this is another documentary Michelle is working on um, about this very issue, and I had not thought about it. But then when you, but yeah, I'm sure it's it's happening, right? Tell everyone. Oh man, yeah. I mean, yeah. How this is how this is happening? Well, it's been happening ever since, and forgive me for my lack of political correctness, but I just don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since ever since Christopher Columbus tripped and fell onto this country. <laughs> uh-huh. uh- <laughs> Oopsie. There was a little bit of a slip up there. Uh-huh. <laughs> my bad. I didn't ask for directions. Um, right. So ever since that happened, you know, indigenous peoples of this land were systematically just wiped out. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all, well, we don't all know this, you know, there's, there's usually a small paragraph in a history book about the great Christopher Columbus and how he conquered uh, this land, <laughs> which right. is like so psycho. Um, I know. And, and so it's been happening since then, since, since the, we can call it an invasion of, of, people came and decided to claim this land as their own and wiped out, you know, hundreds of thousands of indigenous people. And with that, you know, obviously you wipe out an entire, entire village. Well, the language is gone. The people are gone. The culture is gone. The heritage, like everything is gone. And right. so now you fast forward all this time and we had, you know, hundreds, hundreds of, of tribes, hundreds of people uh, living here. And, were taken away to boarding schools mm-hmm. by white people taking the, the Native American children to boarding schools and forcing them to speak only English. And then pretty soon you have things like ancestral PTSD where Native Americans were changing their last names to something that was not theirs, like Martinez, right. for example, mm-hmm. um, so that their children wouldn't have to go through the hell they went through by keeping their original last name, by, by being out as Native Americans. Well, there was and a so shame. There trickle, was almost like a shame a factor huge, involved. Huge. You know, with yes. Instead, instead yes. of being honored, they were shamed for it. I, um, full Correct. disclosure, my grandfather is full-blooded Cherokee Indian. So my 
mom was half Cherokee and I'm a quarter Cherokee. Um, but growing up in, in the South, in Georgia, um, we, it was just not even discussed. You don't talk I mean, about it. No. No, no, I mean, I didn't think anything about it, but in hindsight, my mom, you know, likewise, it, 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 he married a Caucasian woman, my grandfather, mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of, you know, and that kind of like, but it was not till I was an adult years later that I started thinking about, wow, you know, there was kind of a, um, a shame factor there. So, so I Big can time. relate in that, in that, but you, you also grew up in New Mexico, Right. 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 So I mean, you've been surrounded by this culture um, growing up out there as well. Correct. And I, I didn't think, I don't know, it's such an ignorant thing, but it's just very honest. I didn't think twice about a lot of it because I didn't know the truth of what happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the Pueblo Revolt in 1680 because none of that's taught in your public schools, especially in Los Alamos, New Mexico, way up on top of a you know mountain. It, it wasn't right. taught. And so... I was raised uh, around all of these beautiful people with different cultures and and different ethnicities and and languages of me. And I never thought twice about it because my home life taught me to accept everybody. Like, you know, if somebody's Mm -hmm. a jackass, maybe don't accept that person, you know, like you you don't have to take, take it, but accept everybody for who they are because everybody has their own journey. And my dad graduated high school from Window Rock, which is out on the Navajo Reservation, and he went to, um, lived in Gallup for most of high school and stuff, and so, you know, he was white dude, um, and that was like, he knew how to speak the Diné language, he knew how to speak with, with Navajo people speaking their, uh, their language, he picked up on it, um, because he cared about culture and stuff so I just wasn't raised to point out differences really as much as I was point well, out similarities there's, there's such a hypocrisy in our country because you know we always uh, we we always say oh we honor you know we honor the Native Americans they were you know yeah, look what lies. we you know look what we did lies. to the Native Americans and uh mm-hmm. and then it's just kind of like it's sort of said and then you move on like we we did it right. but, and you know like um I live in Palm Springs now, and of course here, I have to say, um, the the Native Americans are really honored. You know, they 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 have the casinos and they have big businesses here, and they're a very close knit group, and they they have been really galvanized, and they're great business people. But again, it's still kind of like they're they're the Native Americans over there, and here's the rest of us, right? You know, we're still right. separated. Um, right. It's not <clears> – <throat> now, do you think some of that is um, is by choice? When I say by choice, like wanting there, – there are the Native Americans that want to stay on the, quote, reservations and, and sort of lit, maintain and preserve that sort of culture and not sort of acclimate – I don't know if that's the right word, but what do you think the – the solution is i mean if there is one in terms of like losing quote the language is it is it being separate or how would you how would we keep the language going if if everyone is kind of in their corner well there's a lot of different answers or you know possible answers 
to that question. It's a really good question. And that's one of the questions that Lori Bowen, who is a ninja co-producer extraordinaire, and uh, (laughs) that's a question that that we've been asking. (laughs) She should put it on a business card, truly. (laughs) Uh, She's brilliant. Um, I'm blessed with brilliant teams with every project I work on. I I cannot even believe the luck um, and the grace that I have with the teams. But anyway... Uh, Lori and I, that's a question that we're, we're, we've been asking the people that we've been interviewing because mm-hmm. we don't want to create a documentary that only shines a light on issues. Right. We also want to try to find some solutions that maybe can inspire other people and, and um, uh, to, to come up with solutions. And one of them that kept circling, an answer that kept circulating again and again was for the kids, for the youth, to ask their elders to teach them the language. And there are mm. some homes, right, uh, that speak, like their first language is their native language, like the Tewa or um, uh, um, just had a massive brain fire. I keep thinking of San Alfonso. But anyway, they, they, there are homes, you know, within the, the, each community that their first language is their native language, and then right. they learn English. But most often, as we're understanding, and I could be way off base, which is why I'm doing this documentary, is for better understanding not only for myself, but better understanding to share with the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who are not able to teach their native language to their children because a they might not know it themselves uh b they you know we live in an economy now and a society now where everybody has to work 900 hours a week just to breathe right and so these kids are not able some of the kids are not able to learn their native languages um some parents Again, go and, and they say they, they say, well, we we can't teach you that because I don't want you to be ridiculed, because I don't want you to mm-hmm. go through what I did as a kid, because I don't want you to to feel the racism. I mean, my God, we are living in a country where we're telling Native Americans to go home. Where the hell are they supposed to like? No, right? You know, like exactly. There's nothing we were here. They were here about first. Any of this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it's the solutions of, of trying to find the solutions comes back to community and family and, and asking the elders to teach them their language so that their culture isn't lost because they're, they have culture. Like there's these beautiful cultures out there that honor our earth, that honor each other, that honor uh, the, the, the spirits, um, the, you know, the people who are no longer here, our ancestors, and these cultures have been decimated because of an invasion. Right. And I can't, if I could, I would take it all back and, and reverse everything and make it to where mm-hmm. that never happened and that we coexisted and stopped the nonsense. But since I can't, right. I'm just looking for a way to try to assist in spreading awareness and trying to spread solutions and Lori and I are working really hard and trying to inspire kids to learn their languages. And, and part of a goal for edge is to take it on the road, so to speak, mm-hmm. and let it be a piece that can be used in classrooms 
right. to bring That's about clear. conversation. Well, thank you. That was actually Krista Valdez, uh, who works with the New Mexico Spotlight Foundation, our fiscal sponsor. That was her idea of um, uh, of trying to bring even more awareness was taking it to the classrooms. And it was like, oh, my God, that's so clearly obvious. But, you know, like you just don't see it until you see it. And see if we can inspire people to respect everybody's differences and right. respect different languages. You know, um, respect each other and and it and yourselves ourselves in in a different way that maybe is being presented currently. Well, like you said, it's if it's not being taught in the schools, so this is a way to give them the. They can't say we don't have it to teach. You're like, well, here's the here's the documentary. Right. Here's here's something that you can start with and sort of educational. Now, this may be um, an ignorant question, but how many languages? Are there? I mean, every is it sort of like different? Um, uh, you know, every different uh, location is it regional with Native Americans? They speak a different language. Is there? As I understand it, it is. You know how like there's Chinese, and then there's like mm-hmm. Mandarin Chinese, and right. and these and, and and these different um, uh, sects. Or like the mm-hmm. British, even if you just look at accents, there's the British accent, the Cockney accent, depending on where you're from. Same thing with Scottish. So if you if you take a look at all of that, and then like the difference between Spanish from Mexico versus Spanish from Spain, Spain there's there's right. some differences within that, right? So right. Um, as I understand it, in in Native American cultures, there's you know, a specific language born into the Navajo, born into San Alfonso, born into Isleta, born into uh, Zuni, born into the Okeowinge and Powake, and all of these different pueblos and and reservations have their their languages and their beliefs, um, their spiritual and cultural beliefs. And the biggest thing that I'm finding they have in common is the love of Mother Earth. Mhm. Yes. And we uh white people are not known for typically <laughs> broad stroking no. um really taking a look at our great mother and going okay if we actually called our earth just mother earth how would that change the relationship between us and plastic? Mhm. How well, would that everything... change the relationship with us and and burning forests down? Well, everything now with climate change and global warming, you're right. I mean, the, the Native Americans, they they would be an amazing group to to talk about this issue, you know, because who better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than who them, better? to yeah. who are who stay so connected. And again, and I don't mean to call people hypocrites, but you know, Caucasian America, whatever, mainstream America, they they have sort of uh, co-opted this when they want to talk spiritual or they want to, you know, they talk about, you know, like everyone flocks out to New Mexico or Santa Fe and, and Mm -hmm. says that they're getting in touch with their, you know, with their spirituality. (laughs) But like you you said in your yard, (laughs) right. Or like Santa Fe, you know, Santa Fe is such a beautiful, pristine, perfectly. Mm -hmm. It almost looks like a movie set to me because it's so perfect. And, but to me, it's very white, you know, um, it depends and, and, on where you look, but yes, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Yeah, and so and my whole thing is like, 
and and all no disrespect to to the leaders or anybody in Santa Fe, but but when I go to Santa Fe, I the next time I go, I will be looking at it differently because like you said earlier, I was just sort of ignorant to like where did this all start? Like what's the real right. basis here? Where where does the right. spirituality come from here? You know, and and right. then there's also this kind of like um thing that happens sometimes when people like we're gonna oh my god did you go see the reservation you know like did you did you guys go oh, visit the Jesus reservation <laughs> I mean, yes. and I think, I think yes. if I were you know it's almost like if I were Native American or, or living oh, on that me off. it's yeah. almost like let's go to the and I don't I mean but let's go to the zoo no. you know what I mean like we're gonna that, go yeah. to the petting yeah. zoo it's very uh it's, it's patronizing disgusting. yeah yeah it's so completely so, disgusting. Yeah. So that's what that's what I think is great about this kind of documentary because it's going to open eyes to just like I said, a lot of us are just like you know being Caucasian, we can't we we can't know what it's like to be African American, you know. So no, it's uh, um, but but you have to be empathetic or sympathetic to to what they've been through and where they come. But as much as we talk about you know, uh, African American prejudice. Let's let's be honest. The Native Americans were here first, so it's not right. about. I don't want to right, get in this right. contest of who was more oppressed. No. But um, oh gosh, well, oppression is oppression, as my right. dad would say. You know, right. pain is pain, and oppression is oppression. Because I would I would say something to my dad, like, uh, "Oh my God, you know, my my foot hurts," or, or whatever. But Dad, I know it's nothing like the migraines that you get, or mm-hmm. you know, I have a cold, but it's nothing like the fact that you're, you know, fighting cancer or whatever. Right. You know, because I would always compare like what I was going through uh, to, you know, my dad had a, a a lifetime of pain on so many levels, and my dad would be like, "You can't compare this. He's pain right. is pain." oppression is oppression love is love there's there and that's why i kind of like with the when you opened with the the loving your you don't know how much love you have inside of you until you have a kid it's mm-hmm. like oh my god love is love you know right. ultimately so um but you, well, know, you were you were African very lucky American, you were, oh ahead. sorry go ahead oh no i was just going to say you were blessed that you were raised in such a very open amazing loving yeah. family household thank you Big time. My parents, both of my parents, uh, stayed together until the end when my dad died, you know, 12 and a half years ago. It was that we were the three amigos. We just simply had each other's back. There was no other way. It was were you an only Were you an only child? Uh, sort of. Um, weird story. Total side note. I <laughs> always wanted an older sister. And my mom would kept looking. And she would always give me this weird look like, I don't know. It was just look at this me weird. She'd say, you can't have an older sister because if I got pregnant today, she would be a younger sister. <laughs> younger sister. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. I, I want an older sister. I think I had, you know, I kept feeling like there was this piece of me oh. that was missing. And <laughs> when I turned 17, shortly after <laughs> I turned 17, my sister called my dad and said, Hey, I think you're my dad. And my dad, so who's your mom? And that conversation took place. And then a few weeks later, I met my sister, who uh, was, she's 11 years older than me. And 
Uh, my mom knew about her. My dad, like, there was no secrets between my parents, but they didn't tell me because they didn't want me growing up with, like, oh, my long-lost sister out there and becoming fixated on on having a sister somewhere out in the ether. But I do, and um, meeting her, it was it was so surreal because it was like, it was like this missing puzzle piece in my spirit. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden. And you, and you seem to know it. You knew subconsciously yeah. on some level. Yeah. Your parents, I, I, I would have loved to, you said your mom always had this look. Can you imagine now when, oh now God, that you, you know imagine? this story? So like now, that, well, now that you're a parent too, right? So like your, your oh mom is thinking, oh my God, how does she, what yeah. is she talking about? Like, how does she know this? <laughs> oh, wow. This? Yeah. I think we just know stuff, you know, if we listen, if we listen to the quiet, like we know. But who can get, you that's the problem. The Nobody can get quiet these days because no. we're all so tied into everything. And that's why when people talk about meditating or whatever, you know, quieting the mind, it's like, well, it, it, a lot of people don't want to quiet their mind because then they really have to deal with it. That scary. <laughs> yeah, man, you do. It's scary. Quiet the mind. No, that's when the monsters no. come out. And it's like, you got to meet the monsters. You got to, you got to deal with your stuff, man. It comes out eventually one way or the other. Well, it's interesting because I I'm a lover of documentaries. I mean, as much as we, I work in scripted as an actor, but I mm-hmm. I love documentaries. And so, um, in fact, I will always if I go onto Netflix, I will immediately I I go to the documentaries and see what's playing first. So I love the fact that you're doing the documentaries. I want to circle back to the millennial thing, rise of the millennials, mm-hmm. because I'm fascinated like you because, you know, they really do get a bad rap. You know, how many, how many times have all of us on some level said, oh God, the millennials, you know, if they could just, you know, get out of their parents' basement or if they could just, you know, but I find it is because of the millennials that, and this is a broad generalization, but because of millennials and I'm not sure what the generation after them were called Gen X. I'm not sure, but no, that's us. We're Gen X. No, we're Gen X. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. they are, but but they were so they are so uh, open minded and socially accepted that that mm-hmm. I think that's why we were able to have gay marriage, and they're just they they just are of a different uh, acceptance than our generation and of course the older generation. So I always come to their defense, and I think they're also very some of the first ones on the front line of fighting, you know, climate change and and thinking about the planet. So did you find, do you find in in doing the documentary that, that there's a lot more depth there than we give them credit for? Oh my God. I, I, I can't, I don't even have the words. There's way more depth. They're smart. They're innovative. I mean, there were, uh, God, how old are these kids? There's like, not in my documentary, but I just recently saw how uh, some some millennials figured out how to recycle freaking styrofoam and make water purifying filters out of wow. what they recycled. I, and, and we're sitting there calling them lazy. No, they're using their brains with mm-hmm. the technology that they inherited from us. Right. They are taking all of the technology that they've – it's exactly what Elon Musk is doing with the Tesla uh, – mm-hmm manipulations, whatever you call it, math, blah, blah, science stuff. <laughs> but, you know, it's, 
it's amazing yeah. that he can build a rocket that the rocket can go to space and then come back down and, and sit down on a moving barge, for example, um, and that, that it becomes a recycled energy efficient rocket instead of all of the fuel waste. So, I mean, the millennial generation are the biggest movers and shakers, I think, since the hip, like the, the 60s. Mm-hmm. hippies generation which Hippie they, generation. they did evoke a lot of change yeah they, right. they evoked a lot of change and the millennials are those people evoking a lot of change we gave them here you go guys here's debt here's a non-stop trail of hate and racism and separatism and bigotry and uh negativity here's a melting planet um, here's, we're probably going to have food and water sh- shortages, but you guys can handle it, right? Oh, why are you so lazy? You're sitting right. there on your iPhone. Well, they're sitting there on their iPhone making $400 for taking a picture of beautiful tacos at a vegan right. restaurant because they're a social media influencer. Right. They're right. using their brains differently than we did because they have different technology and much more advanced uh, know-how of technology than we ever did. Now, do you do you do they um, talk about on the flip side the criticism that you hear about they're not involved politically, yep. or they they yep. don't show up for voting, and they're not they're unplugged mm-hmm. when it comes to that. You know what I mean? That kind of that kind of mm-hmm. issue. What would, um, what was the take? Well, I don't want to give too much away, but. Th- I mean, people need to watch the documentary, but in general, there's some pissed off millennials that don't feel yeah. really good about the older generations, and they should. They should be right. pissed off. Yeah, you know, they I agree. should. They should be motivated by that, and uh, their voices should all of our voices really, but their voices should be heard in a way that doesn't like put a cloud on them. You know, mm-hmm. we, we are so busy uh, in our in our sweet little lives to put a cloud on other people's lives and how they're living them. Meanwhile, our own life, what is it? Not a train wreck sometimes? Come on. Right. You know? Well, see, I'm, I'm 55, so I'm much older than you are. And it's funny because my generation, um, you know, you, that when we talk about the helicopter parents, you know, my generation, we – we all complained. We whined a lot that we we didn't have and we weren't we weren't given self esteem. You know, we our parents didn't mm-hmm. pay it, pay enough attention to it. So a lot of my right. generation went the went a little overboard the other direction, um, and sort of helicoptered or smothered in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't they didn't want the kids to feel anything. You know, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's right. a winner. They're no losers. So. So again, though, the people, so when my generation are complaining about the millennials, I'm like, well, wait, you parented them, <laughs> you know, exactly. it's my, we created them, <laughs> right? I mean, totally. our own insecurity, we're trying to make up for our childhood by, you know, right. by making sure they don't ever feel pain or, or whatever, but yeah. Right. So, so tell everyone. So these are both our projects are done. Are they in post production? Going to be coming Rise out soon. Rise of the soon, Millennial or? is in post production. Yeah, Rise of the Millennial is in po- Rise of the Millennial. I'll say that five times fast. <laughs> uh, is in is in post production. Amato and uh, Kimberly and Amato and I are uh, rocking out the next EDL. Like we've got the rough cut. We go, okay. We know what we're wow. looking at. Let's let's take the next the next the next layers. Um, 
something I've learned about documentary filmmaking, well, just filmmaking in general and directing in general, is you really have to have a badass team. Team, If you have even one person that is not, like, on the team, and I don't mean, like, in a sycophant kind of, you know, whatever way, but just on the team of the vision of the project, Mm -hmm. uh, it can really – it can really make things go in interesting directions. So right. uh, where we all are now with our projects is really strong and beautiful and streamlined and going forward in, in the best Good. possible ways, which has been nice. Yeah. Yeah. And rise uh, edge. We are still, we're like exactly halfway done with it. It's really interesting. Like it could be a super, dope short film like today mm, we can mm-hmm. say you know what let's just let's just turn this into a really rad short film it's still gonna have a powerful message but the content of it like the the subject matter of <clears throat> of this is thus that we really want to try to create a full-length feature film with it right. and be able to because we right now we're representing four different points of view of four different pueblos and all primarily in New Mexico, and that's it's you know it's fantastic. We would really like to get some more voices involved with it, so that there's even mm-hmm. more points of view, even more solutions uh, from different pueblos in the area. And we've partnered with the excuse me the New Mexico Spotlight Foundation and Krista Valdez to become our fiscal sponsorship to where she's uh, the, the uh, Spotlight Foundation is a 501c3. And so if you were to say donate $10 million to the Spotlight Foundation and say, hey, this is for EDGE, the Spotlight Foundation keeps a percentage of that so that they can continue to run their foundation. And then the rest of the money then goes straight to finishing our film. So we decided to look into, yeah, it's really really an amazing way because it's so beneficial to the foundations that, that contribute in this type of thing. And it's beneficial to filmmakers to where it's not just another, um, what do you call it? Uh, Kickstarter mm-hmm. thing, because those, those are like getting an, the, the, the Kickstarter and Indiegogo is like getting Indiegogo is like getting an additional job because right, of right. how much you have to update things. Um, it's in, and I applaud every single person who is able to really devote that time to it. Um, they're warriors. Right. I'm not that kind of warrior. <laughs> I wish I was. Well, it I becomes like be. a full-time. It was like a full-time job it when you're totally doing the does. Kickstarter yeah. campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. And I now admire also, the people who are able to do that. Now, also, I want to talk about because you also are directing scripted projects. Tell us about deeply. Well, I love the title, deeply superficial. Um, <laughs> the pilot. <laughs> now that one is shot, right? So fun. You've done yeah, that one. Yeah, that's that, shot. That. Mm-hmm. And that's editor, a co- Alex, obviously a, a comedy. It is. It's a half-hour filmed comedy, and we are using it. It's going to be probably about 18, 19 minutes long at the end of the day. It'll be about the, the end, end cut of it. And a uh, fellow filmmaker, DP, editor, friend of mine from L.A. is actually editing it, Alex Simon, I've worked with him several times over the years on different things, and uh, that Deeply Superficial was so much fun to work on. It was 
it was bizarre. Like there was, there were some really crazy setbacks that happened. You know, things always happen last second. Like you have all this stuff planned and you've got shot lists and you've got like, all right, I've got this and I'm on top of it and da da da. And then something falls out of the bottom, you know, like Mm -hmm. somebody quitting that's on the crew right before you shoot. And then it's like, well, okay. So like we had this this upset (laughs) right before. Always. (laughs) Always. Upset. Always. Every time. Like there's smooth filmmaking. I would be very suspicious of that. Um, And and, and so it's this major upset. And so I grabbed Keith's hand. He was, he was the creator of, of deeply superficial writer and the star. And he did a phenomenal job. The script is hysterical. His performance is spot on. And, and we had this thing, this thing with this person that happened shortly before we were going to shoot. And I said, oh, my God, no, we're fine. So I grabbed his hand and I grabbed some sage and I smoked the <laughs> hell out of the whole downstairs of his house. And I was like, we're going to be fine by 9 or no, by 10 a.m. tomorrow. We're going to have the exact person filling the exact spot and it's going to be perfect. Like this is we are good to go, brother. And it happened it was like oh, 9 55 wow. the next morning i got an email confirmation uh stating like you know i'm in and i'm doing the things and it was like oh my god 10 a.m wow. i'll take it 9 55 yeah it was yeah it was that amazing it was such a testament to like keep the faith you know like when you run across these insane challenges with with egos and and all of the stuff that comes mm. up with our art form uh-huh. You run across this stuff, and it's like, okay, we can either drown in the bullshit of this, or we can right. just rise up and be like, no, 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 we got this. Like, let's just let's just carry on, and the right person is going to to happen. Right. Um, well, when I started, so, I started out. I used to um, produce Equity Waiver ninety nine seat theater in L A. I that was like my summer stock. I acted in it. I produced it, and I, you know that was always the thing, like, you know, everything would fall apart. And then of course the opening night would come and everything <laughs> would, you know, suddenly it would be great. And then Magically everyone's loving each other. And then when I segued <laughs> over into pr- producing like TV or film, it didn't really matter how small the budget was or how big the budget no. was. It's no, all the same. All the it's same. all the same. <laughs> and it, and sometimes the bigger the budget, the, the hotter the mess is. It's a bigger mess. Totally. You know, because it's a bigger mess. At, it's a more expensive mess. That's for sure. It's a bigger mess. You have because you have more crazy egos involved and more people mm-hmm. want to give their opinion. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about mm-hmm. the team, that's why sometimes it's it's so easy and better if you just have a small core group of people totally. that you work with. Oh, my God. Uh, that you trust, because otherwise everybody's got to throw their their childhood oh, problem. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And it, their two cents become $20 bills hitting you in the face with the, you know, weight of a lead brick. And you're like, dude, you know, hold that thought. Just give me a second. Um, but, you know, ha- yeah, having I mean, I said really, all that, go ahead. having said all that, how, because like me as an actor, I, I really am one of the few actors that have no desire to direct because, you know, the old cliche is every actor says they really want to direct. I really don't because one, one, I know I'm not good at it. Two, I know it's the hardest job ever you know you're the first one mm-hmm, there and the last mm-hmm. to leave but i'm assuming mm-hmm. and you can tell me i'm assuming the payoff of the great reward is that it is your vision as a director mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a team i know it's a team but but when Definitely. it when all is said and done um comparing it to acting 
if there's any way to compare it, I know you love to act as well, but do you, are you more creatively fulfilled at times as a director? Do you feel? Oh God, that's a really great question. Um, I know I they're totally the, different. Beasts, the, but. Yeah. There's such different mediums. Um, you know, with directing, like it was kind of, I had to laugh at myself. I was like, it doesn't matter what I eat for lunch. I mean, I'm a vegan, so whatever, but like, it didn't really matter what I ate for lunch because I wasn't going to like, if I had a bite of a tortilla, I wouldn't want to kill myself that I had a bite of tortilla before going on camera. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that thing, that thing that hits you of like, Holy right. hell, why did I eat half that sandwich? I'm going to go hang myself. You know, right. like that thing doesn't kick in when you're directing. You're just, I was just focused and, um, you know, like my daughter was with me and I had somebody there who was hanging out solely with my daughter the whole time so that my daughter was safe and, and totally taken care of and close by enough to where I could, you know, I made her lunch. For example, right. I took care of her lunch and, and we had to wait for the sun to set one day and I was able to give her her bath before the sun set because we couldn't shoot anything until the sun set. And so, um, directing news is just such a it's a creative high that's totally different than acting and there's well a it takes it sounds like it takes happens. out the, the the vanity is taking out it i mean completely the vanity yeah. and the bad the bad part of vanity you know because as the self yeah. you're not as self-conscious when you're directing you're probably time for it. you're free you know, you're much freer yeah it's much more free and it's a little bit more liberating, you know, and this was the first narrative that hired me to direct. And mm-hmm. I, um, I, I follow Guy Norman B who's a phenomenal television director and somebody I really hope to work with someday. And, and we have traded little bits and pieces here and there just on, on the social media bits. And he's just a really rad dude. And so I, gathered up all my courage because I was like who am I to be reaching out asking this man for you know any any words of advice because I'm a little nervous uh and and he (laughs) he came back with like these phenomenal words of like you know man you're you're hired to direct that is the job you you your whole thing is to see this vision through you're going to plan out the wazoo for everything and things are going to fall apart. You're going to have to scrap a ton of stuff. But at the end of the day, what matters is the project. And it was such a beautiful reminder that when we're actors, we tend to only look at our part in the project because that is the gig, man. You know, like how do I fit, how does Sarah fit into this film? You know, like that's the gig. But when you're the director, it's like, (laughs) How does this project, like, I'm here to serve this gigantic project that somebody toiled over, not me, and wrote, you know, and and somebody's money, not mine, is on the line. And how do Mm -hmm. I respect that while taking consideration of what other people have to say, while serving the story, while doing all these things? And there's something really tremendous about that responsibility that it becomes a really serious honor to right. have somebody trust you going here create this for me let's do this together it was like well hell yeah let's do this then you know and it's kind of like what <laughs> happened when I was a casting director for a, there's a narrative podcast 
also in New Mexico that is called Frijoles de Arroz. That one of my clients, James Charleston, created, hired me to be the casting director this past year for it. Um, it's the same sort of thing, where you're hired to serve a project much larger than yourself mm-hmm. by literally hiring other people to fill the spot. Right. Um, and, and, and to bring the right people together to create magic is daunting and exciting and fulfilling in a way that acting, just acting, can't fill. Now, can you imagine, now that you're directing, how, what is your thoughts on would you direct yourself? You know, because when you see, oh, when you see no. I know, when you see actors that do these epic films and they're also starring in it, you know, yeah, I, can, like, I guess a lot of that yeah. is based on having a great, well, you need a great DP always, right? But that's oh, when you really definitely. need that that other person DP that needs you to trust. Be psychic, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, that must be really that that could be well that that could be really interesting. But I just I'm you know I this is why I do other things besides act for myself because I just can't. I love to just act, but I I, I don't. I have to do other stuff. I can't just be at the mercy totally. of waiting for the industry to, to call me, you know? Um, <laughs> right. Well, and also right. like, you now, when you do, yeah. like when I do just go act, it's such a, it's such a blessing to just be like, uh, that's oh, not totally. my, pro- my problem. You guys figure it right. out. I'll be in, I'll be in it's my trailer. Far less stressful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it's much it less stressful. A, yeah. <laughs> Now, on the acting side, to that point, are is there? A, I'm sure work. You probably are turning down work, but is there any acting stuff ahead that you're going to do, or anything we should look for? Oh man, I hope so. I have taken this really. Uh, I've had this really weird hiatus from acting um, that I didn't intend on having when I had a child. Of course. Um, it just kind of organically happened that way. And this, like the last year or so, year and a half, like I, I had to relocate. I officially became a single mom. My mom almost died. There was a lot of these like oh, wow. puzzle pieces all over the place that I was just like kind of gluing everything mm-hmm. together and just standing in this space, which is fine. And I wouldn't have traded a second of it because we're all still alive. So I'm cool. Right. Um, But with, when you focus your energy on so many other things, it's really difficult to focus that energy also on, on acting. And so I just had an audition like a week and a half ago that I was like, Oh, that felt so lovely. Good. Just simply tape an audition and have fun doing that. So I'm hoping to, bring acting back in the fold in 2020 and be on set as an actor, as well as continuing to direct because it is but my is first it, love. But isn't it so great now that we don't have to be in Hollywood. You really can, because oh, everything is self-taped, you know what I mean? And the yep. industry, the industry is not just LA anymore. So it's a, it's a not blessing that, we can be all over yeah. the world, basically, or the country. Well, listen, I cannot believe totally. the time the time goes. It's uh, our hour is almost up, and I could talk to you for three hours. It is so great to hear Easily. your voice. 
I'm so you excited too. and proud of all the work you're doing. Everyone, please go to michelletomlinson.net, not .com, .net, and follow mm-hmm. you. And I'd love to have you come back and when the projects are coming out and promote more. And uh, I love following you on Facebook and keeping up with Ditto. you on social media. So, um, and you know, ha- congratulations on a successful surgery, honey. Sorry to interrupt you, oh, but truly, like, thank that you, thank you, acknowledged. You're feeling good. I appreciate good? it. I'm feeling good. You know, I had the back surgery three years ago, and I was kind of thinking maybe it was going to be that involved, but the neck, mm-hmm. I know, don't ever get old. First of all, that's the well, no, it's a dichotomy. You, you, you want to get old, yeah. But be prepared that, you know, certain things happen. It's also it's also uh, years of doing untrained stunt work and right. uh, w- weightlifting and stuff like that. But thank you for asking. No, I'm really blessed and really excited to heal and be ready for 2020. So um, thank awesome. you for asking. Well, listen, my dear, have a wonderful new year and uh, much too. love to you and the little bit. And uh, I hope thank to you. meet much her love soon. Thank you. Hopefully we can work together one day. That would be fantastic. Oh, so shall it be. Well, listen, thanks, Michelle. Everyone check out michelletomlinson.net. Thank you so much, and we'll, we'll be in touch, my dear. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. She was fantastic. I love her. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Joe Williamson, for... Uh, making the reconnection. Uh, Joe is an amazing manager and a PR person that's just been a real blessing in my life this past year. And we're looking forward to some big projects coming up uh, in 2020 as well. So everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. I wish you nothing but the best for this upcoming new year. Please tune in next Thursday night. It will be the day after New Year's Day. So have a great New Year's Eve. Be safe wherever you are. Uh, Much love to everyone. Peace out. And we will see you next Thursday night, same place, same time. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.